0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, Minnesota Mike. Mike Conley signs a contract extension with the Timberwolves for the next two years. We'll break down the deal, what that means for the Wolves, their roster, the salary cap, et cetera, here moving forward. Uh, It's a huge win for for the Wolves, a huge win for Conley. I also want to talk about NBA.com. Finally, as the Wolves back up at number two on their power rankings, I want to talk a bit about that and then also the Wolves' overall dominance this season. Dominance is the right word at this point for where Minnesota sits at the All-Star break. It's all coming to the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Wolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most excited way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash/lockedonNBA and use the code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Happy Tuesday, everybody! And uh, it's a big day in Tim Roll's land. Mike Conley signed a contract extension for the next two seasons. That was announced on Monday. Um, Or it was it was reported, I guess, first by Adrian Wojnarowski, VSPN, via Connolly's agency. We'll talk about what that deal means now for the Wolves and how Tim Connolly just keeps doing work. Uh, He's been phenomenal. Maybe we'll see if we get to a big picture on Connolly and the work he's done so far later in the week. There's a lot I want to get to, and now with this, like running out of days here already in the All Star break. Before we get back to game action, which is a good problem to have. Uh, I also want to get to uh, power rankings and. You know, half step back on the Wolves overall standing in the NBA, how dominant they've been by and large this year. We'll cover all that here today. A big thank you off the top for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at On T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Let's talk Minnesota Mike. Uh Mike Conley, a two-year contract extension with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Again, first reported by Adrian Wasnerhouse, G VSPN. And it's a two year $21 million extension. Now, this is huge for a number of reasons. So there's there there really is a lot to get to here, but um, let me kind of tick off the reasons why this is a huge deal. First of all, the Timberwolves didn't have a point guard under contract next year. At all. Mike Con- you know, before this deal, Mike Conley, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, Monte Morris, all those guys are un- or were to be unrestricted free agents next offseason. You can even throw in Kyle Anderson, who plays... You know, point forward off the bench for the Wolves. Also, a free agent next offseason. There was nobody to be the straw that stirs the drink other than to Alexander Walker, who's on under contract for a absolute bargain, four point three million next year. The Wolves were going to have to figure that out, and it was going to be hard. Like, it was going to be really hard to retain any of those guys if they hit the open market. I mean, Mike Conley this year is making twenty four million dollars. This is a dude that signed a couple of years ago a three year, sixty eight million dollar contract after his All Star season with Utah he make $24.3 million this year. And now he'll be getting $21 million over the next two years. So, you know, the estimate would be, you know, 10.2. I don't know exactly how it's distributed, but call it 10.2 next year, 10.2 the year after that, essentially 10.25-ish. Um, that's an incredible value for Minnesota. So first of all, they're solving the point guard problem for the next two seasons. And I know we talk about, like, yeah, Conley is old, he's still just 30, like, quote-unquote, just 36. He's not like he's currently 39, right? And he, I mean, he made the All-Star team just a couple of years ago, and he's playing, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, every bit as good this year as he did in his All-Star season, just with lower volume in terms of scoring, and so the numbers don't pop off the page at all. But in terms of his efficiency, his passing, his lack of turnovers, his defense is basically back to where it was a couple of years ago. Last year, or the first half of the year in Utah, you know, it looked like he was, had lost a step and hard to say if it was just the situation, the way he was being, you know, it's not like he was being used drastically differently, but didn't have Rudy go bare. The team didn't have, you know, designs on going anywhere last year. So there were a lot of factors, but now in a year, you know, a full calendar year now in Minnesota at, you know, post deadline last year, and now the first two thirds of this season, he's been fantastic. And basically back again at lower volume and usage, to his all-star forum from a few years ago, a dude that's making nearly $24.5 million this year is going to be making just over $10 million next season and the year after to stay in Minnesota. Even given the age, he would have gotten, trust me, he would have gotten, what, $15, 16000000 on the open market, most likely. Now, there weren't a lot of teams that were going to be able to pay him, but this isn't exactly a Minnesota bet in a... Bidding against themselves, like perhaps they did again with Rudy Gobert. Although I, I think that's been overplayed, you know, nationally in terms of how much. Like, yes, the Wolves gave up a lot. I don't. There certainly were other teams that would have been interested in trading for Rudy Gobert at maybe not that exorbitant cost, but a high cost. In this case, the Wolves, like there were going to be teams, whether it's Philadelphia who's got a ton of cap space or other teams that would have found a way to make the space to sign somebody like Mike Conley, especially after seeing what he's doing this year for Minnesota. So number one, the Wolves solve unequivocally the point guard position the next two years. Sure, the backup thing's got to get figured out. Monte Morris is going to be tough to retain given the cap situation, which we'll talk through quickly here in a minute. Um, But, you know, you can find a vet backup at something close to the vet minimum. Uh, they've got a first round pick this year. That can, you not that it's not going to be a super loaded draft. Obviously we'll talk a lot more about that later in the spring. Um, probably a lot later than we usually do, right? Hopefully knock on wood, but all that to say you solve the point guard problem and you get him at an absolutely fantastic value. Again, I think he gets at least 15, 16 million in the open market. Which would have obviously still been a pay cut for him, but instead he takes just over ten million a year for the next couple of years to stay in Minnesota, and has said all kinds of things. John Krasinski had a great piece back in the fall about um, Conley's family and wanting to basically settle down. Is maybe a weird phrase because it's still the end of his career, you know, toward the end of his career, but not chase a ring all around the country, basically with young kids and a family. And Minnesota is a place that he seems very comfortable in, obviously. He loves Chris Finch. He loves the organization. He loves Tim Connolly. Um, Anthony Edwards, despite the nickname Bite Bite, I think I think Connolly and Edwards have a great relationship. So this is a win all the way around. And you can bet players around the league, by the way, are looking at this and saying, okay, they took care of Connolly. He wanted an extension. They got an extension done. Connolly wants to be there. Now, Mike's only played for three organizations, right? Memphis, Utah, and Minnesota. And he spent several years in each of those places. So he's a loyal guy. He's used to playing in smaller, mid, you know, mid-sized markets. So it's not exactly the same as like, um, you know, like because he's a guy who he's a one-time all-star, he's been a really good player for a really long time, but has played in smaller markets that, uh, you know, that, that that's, it fits with what he likes to do, right? But it still matters. Like obviously Mike Conley is a very respected player and there's people looking at this and saying, okay, the Wolves organization has its stuff together right now. This new ownership group that now has 40% control of the team, this front office, Tim Connolly, who built the bones, even beyond the bones, out you know the majority of, not to take anything away from Calvin Booth, but just factually, Connolly built the majority of what ended up being a championship-winning roster last year with the Denver Nuggets. People look at the Wolves' ownership situation, they look at the front office, and they look at a, a budding superstar in Anthony Edwards who has already re-upped, a, uh, a content star in Rudy Gobert, a content star in Carl Anthony Towns, a coach that hopefully did some, uh, had some positive interactions with superstar players at the West, at uh, in the Western Conference locker room at the All Star break over the weekend, but a coach that players universally seem to love. It's a uh, it's definitely a positive thing for the organization to have something like this come through. I want to talk briefly about the salary implications, the salary cap implications, and what that means, roster spots, et cetera, for next year. Um, we'll do that next, and then I want to kind of transition into talking about the Wolves' uh, power rankings, NBA.com, where the Wolves are, and uh, some of the areas in which they've been truly dominant so far this year. So a bit more on Conley, then we'll shift gears here in a minute. All that's upcoming here on the show. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors at Prize Picks. PrizePix is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers... You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in. It's demon time on prize picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You could turn 10 bucks into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct Picks. There's a ton of exciting things you can do over at Prize Picks. Also, if you're playing, uh, you know, football's over, but I guess basketball games, same deal. They have injury insurance. So if your entries, if uh, one of your players gets injured in the first half, your entry can stay in play. If they exit in the first half and doesn't return in the second, the player projection won't count against you and the rest of your entry stays live. Prize is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash and use the code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA. Code lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now it's also available on Amazon Fire TV in the free Fire TV channels app. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24/7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown plus our national shows covering every league. Find Lockdown Sports Today now available on the free Fire TV Channels app. All right. Uh some salary cap implication. Uh, real quickly on the contract, 2 years 21 million, Darren Wolfson of KSTP initially reported that there was a no trade clause and then backtracked a little bit and said technically Again, Darren Wolfson uh, of KSTP Channel Five in the Twin Cities in Score North. He says Conley doesn't meet written no trade criteria because you have to be eight in the NBA and four with that team. Obviously, he hasn't been with the Wolves for four years, but uh, then he goes on to say, basically, the Wolves probably told him, "Hey, we're not going to trade you," and that helped get this to the finish line because, right, that like that's what Conley wants. We talked about the stability that he's looking for, and that's a really big deal um, in terms of the the salary implications. The Wolves now have $175 million in salary for next season. And unless there is unless there is a, this is a topic for another, well, no, it's, it is a topic for today, unless there were to be a Carl Anthony Towns trade, which I've always said was, um, I shouldn't say I've always said it's unlikely. I never thought it would happen this year at any point, uh, unless the Wolves had gotten off to a terrible start. I always thought it was, Pretty presumptive to assume they would do it next offseason. Unless there is a cat trade, they're going to be a second apron team next year. And there's some implications or I guess consequences that come along with that. Uh, which just means, you know, they're gonna be paying a luxury tax, right? They're 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 gonna have a tax bill that's I don't know, fifty million or something like that next year, which by the way, Lori and Rodriguez, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez become the majority owners in December. So they're starting with this tax bill. There's some other penalties, consequences, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Like, for instance, the mid-level exception that the Wolves used part of this year to sign Troy Brown Jr., Shake Milton, they won't be able to use that if they're into the second apron. Um, They won't be able to... The salary matching changes on incoming players, so it makes it a little more complicated to make a trade. Uh, You can't aggregate salaries and then have more incoming money than outgoing. So, like, for instance, this year, when the Wolves combined the Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Milton contracts, they're what they were owed this year was greater than what they were taking back with Monte Morris and a deal like that can't happen next year at the deadline. If they're indeed over that, over that apron. Um, and that, uh you know, those are, those are not insignificant penalties. However, you could deal with it, right? You could deal with it. If, if this team gets a top two, three seed in the Western conference and gets to the conference finals, like, you know, if you lose in the second round, then we can have the conversation like, what does this look like? And then I guess if that's the case, like if something happens and this team implodes down the stretch or in the playoffs, you can always talk Carlton down towns trade then, you know, I, we could have the conversation at that time if it's too overreactive. I guess it kind of depends. It certainly absolutely depends on how things go down. But like there are pivots, right? And we talked about this last offseason The Rudy Gobert trade happened with the Wolves knowing, hey, we may need to pick between these two guys in the next couple of years, but they knew they'd have pivot points, right? If Ant didn't look like he was progressing, they could have pivoted there too, right? Like there's so many different options and this team undoubtedly, Connolly undoubtedly has this all laid out. Like here are my different pivot points. One of them is if things implode this year, you could pivot off of Cat, you could pivot off of, if you really wanted to, you could trade Nas and Jaden McDade. Like there are options. Basically everyone's going to be tradable on some level, or if things go great you get to the conference finals or the finals or you win the championship you're happy paying that tax you're happy with with some of those you know restrictions that you have um, in terms of uh you know things that you can and can't do on the trade market like the salary matching and um, the uh, the unable you know in free agency not able to use the mid mid-level, mid-level exception so what will the wolves need to do? Well, they're only going to have – assuming they pick up the Josh Minot option, which I guess maybe isn't a, a given, but I think they will, especially, especially because now they'll only have 10 guys under contract with Minot. And so, like, I don't know. I, I feel like Minot's not a bad 10th guy and, and, and will – could provide you some – could be a very affordable role player for the Wolves, right, uh, at you know a little over $2 million next year. So they'll only have 10 guys, which means they'll have to hit – you have to get to 14 players – so they have a first-round pick this year, and then it's minimum contracts, right? Like, for instance, Jordan McLaughlin, I think will probably get a little more than the minimum somewhere else, but, like, he's an example of, is he now is he your backup point guard next year? Which is fine. Like, I think he's an okay backup point guard, but the Wolves literally just actively went out and acquired a different backup point guard for the stretch run this year. You could still have that conversation midseason next year. Like, you know, maybe you you decide to move off of Nas or somebody else in the rotation or a couple of these rookie deals, you know, mine out window more, you know, whoever else and package them together to bring in somebody who could then be a backup point guard mid season next year. And then that's also where the buyout market comes in. You see these luxury tax teams dealing with or, or relying on the buyout market pretty aggressively. Um, And the wolves aren't in that position this year, but they, may well be next year now if this is indeed the route they're going. However, I go back to my initial point, which is you could deal with it if you're a conference finals, finals team, if you're a top seed, if you win 55 games, and you feel so good about your starting five and very, very good about, you know, your your bench as well. Uh, about about a bench of Nasbury, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Like by the way, Alexander Walker uh, well, again, Tim Connolly is a topic for another day. I just don't have enough time to get into it today. But like, that's a great example of an absolute bargain. Like him at four point three million, with a capped out team, is a huge deal. Now, I talk about ten guys under contract. That's your starting five, plus Nikhil Alexander Walker and Nas Reed, and that's it. That's only seven rotation guys. Your other guys under contract are Wendell Moore Jr., who's shown nothing at the NBA level. Leonard Miller, who hasn't either, but is a rookie this year. And in this scenario, it'd be Josh Minot. That's your 10. Uh, now, Jalen Clark's on a two-way. We'll see how he recovers from the Achilles. Uh, but he's I think he signed a two-year two-way, too. So he'd still be under a, you know, doesn't count against the cap in that sense, but he would be on a two-way deal next year as a depth piece. But you're only talking seven legit proven NBA rotation players now. So there's, there's a whole domino effect here, but it all really seems worthwhile when you just when you take a half step back and you look at just how good the Wolves are this year. And it, it's a time for celebration. I go back to my very first point of the show, which was the reflection on the Timberwolves right now, where they are as an organization, compared to just a couple of years ago, pre-Tim Connolly. And that's a topic for another show. But you better believe there's a reason they're going to be in the conversation for each and every buyout guy that makes any sense for them. And it's not just because they're the number one seed. That's obviously the main reason. But all these things work together. The way they've treated players, the way they've treated um, these negotiations, how they backed up guys like Rudy and Kat uh, publicly, or or maybe not even directly publicly, but with some of the challenges and some of the the way that these guys have been perceived league-wide there's a lot to love about this organization sitting here right now, in mid-February at the All-Star break, and this Connolly extension is just another reason, just another reason on the pile of reasons to love the job that Tim Connolly's done and where this organization sits right now. All right, let's close with the uh, the power rankings and some of the things that play into that over at NBA.com. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Locked Wolves is brought to us by our friends at BetterHelp. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you, and it's important to let those things out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. So today, I'm going to share how I really feel about something, and you might be thinking about the same thing coming off All-Star Weekend, and it may seem trivial given the greater conversations around mental health, and, and well, it is. Trivial issues can still be a big issue. And honestly, I'm pretty fired up about the lack of attention the Timberwolves were given over All-Star weekend and just kind of like the occasional, ah, good season they're having. By the way, an actual quote Reggie Miller said, and I meant to say this on the show on Monday, an actual quote he said near the end of the All-Star game on Sunday on air was, I think the favorites in the West who have really separated themselves are the LA Clippers and the, uh, who else would he have? Oh, the Denver Nuggets. He goes, the teams that have really separated themselves in the Western Conference are the Denver Nuggets and LA Clippers. And then he paused and he said, I know Minnesota and Oklahoma City have had great seasons, but I think the Nuggets and Clippers are the favorites in the West, which is fine, you can think that, but you can't say they've separated themselves when they're literally behind the Wolves and the Thunder. They have worse net ratings than the Wolves and the Thunder. The Wolves are 2-0 against the Clippers. They're 1-0 against the Nuggets. It's just insane, like... Fine. You can pick the Nuggets to win. They're the defending champs. I get it. That's great. they have the best player in the league in Nikola Jokic. Fine. But to say that they've separated themselves and that they're the favorites is just is not right. It's just not correct. It drives me nuts. Again, trivial. But still. It can be a source of legitimate frustration, and, and anything can for anyone, really. Therapy can be important uh, or, or is important and certainly can look different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than complaining about what Reggie Miller said about or didn't say about the Timberwolves, but it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, help. dot slash on NBA. Again, BetterHelp. H E L P dot com slash locked on NBA. All right. Uh, let's close by talking NBA.com power rankings. If you're a regular listener, you know that these are the only power rankings I will talk about mid season here because most of them are not good. And I think John Schumann does a great job at NBA.com. They're very well thought, well thought out. They're packed with information and data. And uh, actually, he stole one of the things I wanted to talk about later this week. He didn't steal it. He's talking about the same thing I wanted to talk about, which was uh, their record against the best teams in the league. Uh, so I'll get to that in a second. I don't want to bury the lead here. The Wolves are number two in the power rankings at NBA.com, up three slots last week. A week ago, we had them at number five. And then all they did was go out and beat, uh, convincingly, the, uh, well, they're on a four-game win streak, but the Bucks and the Clippers- Albeit a short-handed Bucks team, but still. Um, so Schumann mentions that the uh, Wolves might have had the longest, stro- or, excuse me, the league's strongest close, the pre-break schedule, four straight road wins, including two by more than 20 points over the Bucs and Clippers. He says the Wolves have allowed 2.1 fewer points per 100 possessions than any other team. I talked about this on the show on Monday, and I believe on Cleaning the Glass, it's actually 2.2 points better. Actually, I have it right here. 2.5 points better on cleaning the glass per 100 possessions than any other team. He then goes on to say the Wolves have the best record in games played between the 18 teams that are over 500. They're 23-11 and against over 500 teams, which is an outstanding mark. And remember, this includes, obviously, that stretch between December 11th and January 12th or whatever it was, when they played 16 straight games over teams above 500 and everybody was wringing their hands in January. Like what's wrong with the wolves? Like we had a whole conversation on the Minnesota basketball party a few weeks ago about whether or not the Timberwolves were an unserious team, which has become a very common way to talk about the wolves and yeah, losing to the Hornets and the bulls and, uh, you know, some of these other teams they lost to with late leads, the Spurs, it's horrific. It shouldn't happen. It's not great. Whatever you want to say about it. But when you play sixteen straight against teams over five hundred and you emerge victorious in well over half of them, and are now twenty three and eleven over against teams over five hundred, you can excuse the hiccup every now and against every now and again against poor teams. The Wolves are also eleven and seven in games played against the top eight in the Western Conference, which is obviously very important for a lot of reasons, including tiebreakers. He also notes that the Timberwolves have been the league's most improved rebounding team, grabbing 51.6% of available rebounds overall, which is sixth, up from 27th in the league last year. And uh, he emphasizes the improvement on the defensive glass. And then he also says, this is interesting. I, I talked on Monday's show about how the Wolves had the seven-game home stand, then a long road trip, and then another like six out of seven at home. Schumann says the Wolves have the league's most home-heavy remaining schedule, 17 of their 27 games left at Target Center. They begin the post-break schedule at the longest home stand of the season, seven games over 11 days, but it does include three rest disadvantage games. And I talked about that as well. They Over the seven-game homestand, I believe it's they have three back-to-back sets, which is just nuts. And then they've got another couple back-to-back sets when they come back after their next road trip, like, I don't know, second, third week of March. So the first half of the season, the actual schedule was really difficult. A lot of road games and... They had that really hard stretch from early to December to mid-January. But they only had like three back-to-backs in the first half of the season. And now they've got a bunch of back-to-backs upcoming. But the schedule gets a little easier and a huge chunk of their games are at home. Now, they've still got the Clippers twice. They've still got the Nuggets, I believe, three times. They've only played them once. Um, so there's still some really good competition upcoming. But they're done with OKC. They're done with the Celtics. They already split their two against Boston. Um, they're done with Philly. So like by and large, it's a, it's a favorable schedule. And this is another reason why Monte Morris's acquisition is super important because you could rest Conley now in some of those back-to-backs. I don't think he'll rest all of them, but you could actually get him to rest the second night of a back-to-back here a couple of times, the second part of the season and keep him fresh for the playoffs as much as possible, uh, I think that that is absolutely something they should look at doing uh, the last point I wanted to make is is related to that dominance that he talked that Schumann talks about at nba.com two and a half points better than the next best defense and I'll, i I want to talk later in the week about um oh actually no this this note is in here this is the second piece of the thing that I I said that he stole that I wanted to talk about Schumann says they're 2.1 fewer points per 100 possessions uh specifically their defense being better than any other team in the league by 2.1 points per 100 possessions. Schumann says that would be the fourth biggest differential in the last 28 seasons between the best and second best defense. And and that's only, it only goes back 28 years for play-by-play data. I touched on this a little bit on cleaning the glass numbers and I want to get back to that later in the week. I want to, I have some additional research I want to put out there about just how dominant this defense has been. And, and I think the cleaning the glass numbers will be even more impressive. The fourth biggest differential in the last 28 years between the best and second best defense. And this offense is now 15th, according to Cleaning the Glass. And, you know, the, the, the other piece of that dominance is, is beating these teams over 500, 23 and 11 against teams over 500. But if this 15th ranked offense suddenly climbs to 11th or 12th, combined with by far the league's best defense. This is a special team, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. Now with the Conley extension in tow in the books is probably a better analogy or a better um I don't know. A better way to say that. The uh there's a lot of positive vibes around this team here heading into the unofficial second half, the final third of the Timberwolves schedule. Uh, like I said, I want to get more into the the overall standing of the defense historically and then I, I mentioned this on Monday dig into like the final four teams over the past decade what they've where they've ranked defensively and offensively what what are the common threads so I want to we'll do that here later in the week a, a ton of stuff to talk about between Wednesday and Thursday and then Friday we'll we'll kind of put a bow on some of that talk and then we'll also preview Wolves Bucks Friday night so all that's upcoming here this week a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can watch the show wherever you, or excuse me, listen wherever you get podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube, and you can watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. A reminder that Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, and now it's also available on Amazon Fire TV and the free Fire TV channels app. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covered every leak. Find Lockdown Sports Today now available on the free Fire TV channels app. Once again, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.